Let's pray. Thank you. Father, we love you and you are worthy of all our praise and worship and adoration. And uh, we commit our hearts to you now. Help us to uh, love your word more and more. Help us to understand and want to be doers of the word, not just hearers only, lest we deceive ourselves. Lord, help us to uh, delight in your holy word all the days of our life. And teach us now. May we glorify you in our hearts and uh, seek you with our whole heart. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may be seated. Or, no, do not be seated. I'm a little new to this. I'd like you to turn, if you would, to uh, Psalm 1, please. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And now you may be seated. Well, you know you're in trouble when a guy brings all these books up to the pulpit. And uh, this morning, uh, some of the guys were asking me as I came in, well, how's it going? Are you, are you ready? Are you a little nervous? Oh, yeah, I guess I'm a little nervous. But by the grace of God, I'm as prepared as I can be. And I told some of them that um, I'm really looking forward to this next hour and a half of sharing. And they, they kind of got their attention there. Uh, but it probably won't be an hour and a half. Well, you may. Uh, I'd, I'd like to start today, before we uh, dig into the word, uh, I'd like to start by explaining why I would choose this topic. You've probably already seen what the topic is. It's on meditation, or it's on spiritual disciplines, and one of the particular disciplines is meditation. And why would I choose that topic? Uh, of all the topics that, I, that could be spoken on, uh, of all the verses that could be shared, of all the passages I, that are on my heart that, would, uh, that I would love to share, why did I choose this one? Uh, and there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, one is uh, this uh, discipline uh, of meditation and, and memorization and meditation, I believe, always go together. And we'll look at that in a minute. But this discipline has impacted me and my walk with the Lord more than any other activity or, or practice, I guess you could call it, uh, in my in my life, in my Christian life. And uh, it, it's given me a hunger for the word. Uh, it, it's uh, given me an ability to listen to God or be guided by God and by his spirit and uh, and especially a desire to do his word, to apply it. And uh, because if you meditate on it, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit can bring it to your mind and you can apply the word continuously. So uh, that is the main reason that I am sharing what I'm sharing this morning, because I love my brothers and sisters. And uh, I thought uh, when when Rodney and, and Phil asked me to share today, uh, they didn't really stipulate what I could, should share on, uh, but when I asked and, and met, said I'd like to share on meditation, they said that's fine. 
And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing about that. Second reason uh, is we are in the godly men's training. I think that's what we call the Tuesday night meeting. We are reading a book called The Discipline of Grace. Uh, some of you, this is by Jerry Bridges. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, the subtitle is uh, God's Role and Our Role in the Pursuit of Holiness. And so as we've been reading this book, uh, it's been remind, I've been reminded about how important uh, disciplines are. And I think uh, this title in itself is instructive. You know, the discipline of grace. I mean, a lot of Christians, discipline and grace are almost mutually exclusive. You know, how can you do one? You know, how can you do the disciplines? You know, because it just seems like something you do. You just have to do. It's hard work. And, uh, but it's a great blessing and it's all part of God's grace. And uh, as uh, the guys were praying this morning, I realized that on the back, there's a quote on the back. This is not what I had prepared, which I probably should be careful about going off what I prepared. But uh, this quote says, your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. Now, man, what a great quote. That's really true. I'm never beyond the needs of God's grace. And so I hope that this whole perspective this morning uh, has to do with God's grace. The disciplines are all done in God's grace. You know, we started them by God's grace. We do them in God's grace. And uh, the, the third reason uh, that I, it, it's probably natural that I'd want to share what I'm sharing this morning is that uh, by the grace of God, uh, in the early 70s, uh, Sherry and I uh, became involved in a ministry uh, called the Navigators, which some of you have heard about before. And uh, the Navigators are noted for several strengths, I guess you'd call them, uh, qualities. And one of them is uh, that they train disciples. And, uh, you know, the verse uh, that comes to mind is 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. You know, Paul was talking to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he said, And what you've heard from me before many witnesses, and he's talking to his son, entrust others who will be able to teach others also. And so uh, that, uh, the Navigators have helped Sherry and I grow uh, quite a bit and trained us as disciples. And uh, one of those, uh, one of the one of the aspects of training was memorizing. And I'll share a little bit more about that later. Uh, and then secondly, the navigators are noted. Uh, actually, they're often called the never daters. And, uh, you know, at first, w- when I back in, in college, when it was kind of a pejorative, really, it was uh, people weren't saying it as a compliment back then. And uh, but now that I look back at it, uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, our leaders uh, encouraged us to, you know how it is in a camp, well, maybe some of you know how it is in a campus ministry. Everybody's looking for their spouse, you know. Is she the right one? And, you know, all that. That goes on all the time. But our leaders said, you know, you have an opportunity here to grow that you, you may never have, uh, you may never have that kind of time again. And uh, this kind of ministry, this kind of uh, chance to uh, impart your, your love for the Lord. And so uh, try not to get uh, too involved in, in dating, things like that. And, uh, you know, it was okay for me anyway, because I was too scared to talk to girls anyway, so it was not a big issue for me. But, uh, you know, I appreciated that uh, part of the Navigators. But really, uh, what pertains to what I'm talking about today is that uh, Navigators encouraged people to, uh, in the intake of the Word, whatever way they can get the Word in their life, uh, they would do that. And, of course, memorizing was part of that. In fact, I still have... uh, still have my little verse pack here. I've had this, you know, 35 years. Um, and so uh, that discipline was encouraged. Uh, and even if it was done sometimes in a uh, oh, kind of a too structured way, uh, still we were med- meditating in, in, on the word and memorizing the word. 
And so, uh, in fact, uh, when I started college in 1972, uh, I had prayed that God would do something to help me understand. I, I was reading the Bible. I, I, God, I just don't understand. Please help me understand. And about two months after school started, uh, some uh, two guys knocked on my door in the dorm and I opened the door and they said, do you want to talk about the Bible? And I was, oh, man, at first I thought, you know, I better just shut the door. But, but uh, you know, as I look back later, I realized that that was an answer to my prayer. So uh, they shared with, with me and uh, they shared the gospel. But the way they shared it was, impressed me. I will never forget how they shared that night. Uh, they... They didn't come in and just preach or, you know, they asked me questions. I could tell they were very loving, but they knew the word very well. They, uh, they, they, and well, I had my Bible, so they had me open my Bible and, and I was asking them questions and they'd say, well, that probably that you can find that in this passage. And they say, what about this? And they say, well, you can find that over here. And I, these guys had memorized all these verses. And I had never met anybody like that. I grew up in a liberal church. Uh, and if I heard the gospel, I, it, I didn't see it that much, I think, but I, these men impressed me to no end, and, and so uh, uh, they that night uh, they didn't have me pray a certain canned prayer or anything. They just said, you know, if God is leading you, you, you just need to talk to Him. And so they left, and, and I did. I surrendered my life to the Lord at that point. And uh, but they came back. I didn't think they were going to come back. I thought I'd never see them again. And uh, so they came back, and they had these this little verse, these verses, and they said, you know, we we really think that. Uh, memorizing the Bible would be a good thing for you to do. And it was, man, they didn't have to convince me. I was really impressed by, you know, I thought if anybody could stand up and share like that and know what the, you know, answer my questions the way they did, uh, I was very impressed. And so they gave me these five verses. They're, they're called the Assurances of Salvation. And, uh, and I will show those a little bit later. And uh, they came back in a few days and said, well, did you memorize that first one? It was a real short one. And I said, well, I memorized all five of them. Didn't I? I thought that's what, kind of what you wanted. But I was so excited uh, and I just wanted to get the word in my life. And uh, so I hope that something I share this morning, uh, I, I believe everyone here has, has memorized, is memorizing. Uh, but sometimes it's, uh, you, there's a lag, you know, there's something that comes up, you, you get tired, you get busy. And I hope that this can be an encouragement to continue uh, or to start if you, if you haven't done uh, much of that up to now. And when I talk about memorizing, I'm talking about consistent and systematic, and, and I'll explain that also a little bit later. So if you would uh, look at your uh, outline, if you'll notice the title is Meditation of Powerful Spiritual Discipline. And our key verse is Psalm 1, 2. Psalm 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And uh, that'll be our final verse also. That'll be our final thought. And so hopefully before you leave today, that will be in your mind and it will be memorized. In fact, we're, we're probably going to memorize most of Psalm 1 today. Okay, first of all, we're going to look at the spiritual disciplines. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, all of the disciplines of God flow from uh, the grace of God. And without his grace, uh, of course, we wouldn't desire in the first place. You know, the natural man doesn't desire to discipline himself. I mean, the flesh doesn't do that at all. It goes the other way. Um, and also, uh, we wouldn't have the power to be involved in these disciplines and these practices. We wouldn't develop these habits were it not for the grace of God. And uh, I'd like to read uh, a little bit from this book. This is, again, The Discipline of Grace. 
The grace that brings salvation to us also disciplines us. It does not do the one without the other. That is, God never saves people and leaves them alone to continue in their immaturity and sinful lifestyle. Those whom he saves, he disciplines. Paul said this another way in Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you will bring it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This thought is both encouraging and sobering. It is encouraging because it assures us that our spiritual growth is not left to our initiative, nor is it dependent upon our wisdom to know in which areas and in which direction we need to grow. Rather, it is God himself who initiates and superintends our spiritual growth. This is not to say that we have no responsibility to respond to God's spiritual child training in our lives, but it is to say that he is the one in charge of our training. And we need to remember that as we are involved in any of the spiritual disciplines. Um, and if you notice uh, the, uh, next to the uh, title, the word discipline, and I looked up, uh, I believe it was uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and also the uh, uh, Vines Expository Dictionary. And these are some of the words that it had under uh, this uh, word. Instruction, education, practice, habits, and self-government. And those words will come out uh, as we go through this. And then another quote by Jerry Bridges that I think uh, just helps us to remember uh, why we're involved in these disciplines at all. It isn't because we're competing. It isn't to uh, a performance issue. It isn't that uh, God, we can gain more of God's favor. But uh, in, in the book, again, he said, Paul said that it is the same grace, God's unmerited favor, that brought salvation to us in the first place that disciplines us. This means that all our responses to God's dealings with us and all of our practice of the spiritual disciplines must be based on the knowledge that God is dealing with us in grace. So the reason I'm starting all this out is because it's very important for us to remember it's all of grace, it's all of God, uh, as we practice the spiritual disciplines, it's still of grace. It's still by faith. And we need his uh, indwelling. We need his Holy Spirit to guide us in those. We just, uh, you know, we can't uh, do this in the flesh. And uh, if you look, uh, we're going to flip uh, a lot in the Bible. So I hope you're uh, ready to do that. Second Corinthians 3.18. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, this verb here is passive, of course, says being transformed. So we have to remember that God is uh, doing the work again. We are being transformed. And uh, the, the disciplines we participate in and how he disciplines us are all part of his, his grace to us. And he does that in, in different ways. Uh, he uses circumstances. Uh, he he uh, uses our fellowship and the, the discipline inside the church uh, to discipline us in godliness. And his goal is to make us more like himself. You know, he wants us to be like him. He wants us to grow in Christ's likeness. And uh, so he wants us to be transformed. And pa uh, Pastor Phil has shared a number of times that that's the word for metamorphosis. And that word will come up again. Uh, but we're, we're being changed from glory to glory, or it's a process, from, from one degree of glory to another. God is changing us into his likeness, and praise God. And, uh, one, and just some examples of, uh, a few examples of disciplines. Uh, the one on fasting, uh, Phil talked about, uh, it was from Acts 13, and that was on May, May 13th. 
And at the top of the page, uh, he said, fasting is compatible with grace and must flow from grace. And I believe he spent some time talking about uh, how all of these uh, disciplines are by the grace of God. And uh, so, fasting. uh, These, by the way, are, are what you'd consider probably the traditional disciplines. If someone says, what are the spiritual disciplines? Fasting, uh, prayer, uh, the devotional life. And I would add, uh, for the head of the household, uh, leading family devotions is a discipline that that, that uh, head of household must practice. Uh, Bible study, meditation, memorization. And there are others, and there are different categories. Some people uh, you know, have other disciplines in the list. But uh, you'll notice all of those are... Uh, they really fit together. Uh, and Phil mentioned the same thing. They, in fact, he said uh, they go hand in hand, uh, or he said fasting goes hand in hand with intense prayer. And he made the point that the disciplines are all connected. And uh, you know, as we practice one, in fact, I got to thinking about this. The, the more uh, I would mem- memorize verses and meditate on them, the more I would desire uh, to be involved in the other disciplines. And, how, and, and it fit together with the other disciplines. It helped me to be involved in the other disciplines. But uh, it seemed in my life, God, uh, memorizing, uh, I guess I never looked at it as a burden. I mean, it could be looked at that way. And it could be looked at as, and some navigators did this, of course. Well, I have a thousand verses memorized. And, and, uh, you know, so what? Uh, The main thing is that we have to be growing in in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Uh, So it can be done a little bit in the flesh. But, uh, you know, God wants uh, us to do it consistently and to fill our heart with his word, and to treasure up his word in our heart. So, um, also in this book, he had a, an illustration that I thought was interesting, because, again, uh, these two words are, are sometimes not even, you know, some Christians don't feel they go together. Uh, he had an illustration, there's an airplane, and, you know, you have two main wings, and uh, one was dependence, and one was discipline. And the plane needs both wings, uh, but you're dependent, we're always totally dependent on the Holy Spirit, but there are also disciplines that he's called us to. That's all part of his grace. It's, it's not outside of that. It's not like we do the disciplines and then there's the grace of God. Uh, they, they fit together. So let's talk uh, a little bit about why. Oh, uh, one verse, uh, by the way, to end that thought, uh, which I forgot, was in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 7, when Paul, was, uh, Paul said, uh, you know, I planted, Apollos watered, but it is God who gives the growth. So God will receive the glory if we are practicing the disciplines uh, we will be built up. He will be glorified. And uh, praise God for that. To, uh, so uh, from him and to him and, and uh, through him are all things. Hmm, I didn't quote that quite right. I don't think. Okay, let's look down at Hebrews 12. Or let's turn to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. And I think we'll start... Um, in verse 3, we'll read uh, verse 3 through 11. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, what God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, 
of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have, that, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us, as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems uh, to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And you'll notice in verse 10, it says that one of the goals is uh, that we may be partakers of his holiness. So he's chastening us in love that we might be more and more uh, like him, that we will be partakers of his holiness. And uh, I'd like you to uh, look, uh, flip over to First Peter quickly, chapter 1. This is a good lesson in, in uh, finding books of the Bible. First Peter 1, uh, verse 14 and 15. And he says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. So, you know, God's goal is our holiness. The, the purpose of the disciplines is holiness, not just to be, uh, you know, busy practicing those things. And uh, one of the... One of the other books, I, I read quite a few books uh, to be uh, prepared for sharing. And it's, it's kind of strange. I pulled a lot of books off the shelf, and this is one of them. And uh, about three of the books that I read were discontinued. And uh, kind of made me feel old. I mean, I got this back in the early 70s, I guess. Uh, this book is a book by John Stott, and it's called Your Mind Matters. Great, great little book. And I'd like to read uh, a little bit from that. Actually, it's the wrong book I'm looking at. This book I am going to read in just a minute. Uh, the, the other book that I'm going to read from is called The Handbook of Church Discipline, which uh, also we will be reading on uh, Tuesday nights, I believe, uh, pretty soon. Um, and this is written by Jay Adams. And now that I have the right book. And this uh, is a, a note by J. Adams on what we just read on that passage in Hebrews. The Old Testament word Musar and the New Testament word Paideia set forth this idea of education backed by force. As Hebrews 12, 5 through 11 makes clear here in the New Testament, uh, such education is not always pleasant and at the time can be quite painful. But notice the purpose of discipline. It functions in the educational process to produce righteousness as its fruit. A fruit which, when you bite into it, tastes like peace. I thought that was a very, very good image. Righteousness, or as he would define it, conformity to Christ's standard of conduct, has the flavor of peace because wherever it is found, it produces harmony and order. Where there is conformity to God's will, there is structure. Where there is biblical structure, the prime condition for learning is present. Peace. Without peace, learning is impossible. Education depends on order. That is uh, one of the major reasons why in the recent past and even up to the present, there has been such poor learning in our schools. Peace, a chief factor in the learning situation, has been missing. Where there is no peace, there is no learning. Where there is no discipline, there is no order. Where there is no order, there is no peace. It's cyclical. Discipline is, at its heart and core, good order. 
I thought that was a great uh, thought as we think about the disciplines. I mean, it's part of order. Uh, and you know, the, the result is, uh, and the desire of the Lord is the peaceful fruit of righteousness in, in us. Okay, secondly, turn back to Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now this word exercise and other words uh, would, would be translated train. Uh, these, these four passages here all are basically using the same thought, training uh, or exercise uh, for the purpose of education. And uh, in this case also, he says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. And by that, I, it, it, re- it relates because God desires for us to grow in maturity. And of full age means that's, you know, he's working uh, toward that goal. And in Hebrews 4.12 uh, or in Ephesians 4.13, it says that uh, God is working uh, to bring us up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know, that's his goal. And, but we have to actively be involved in, in that process. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says that uh, you know, the word helps us uh, you know, to be a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. And uh, you know, we, we can't discern good and evil at all without the word of God. And uh, you know, in Jeremiah 17.9, it says... Uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? You know, we can't understand our own heart. Without the word of God, we have, we have no clue how sinful we are or how badly we need the word of God. And uh, so God, God's goal is to, uh, by, uh, it says, those who by reason of use or practice have their senses exercised or trained to discern good and evil. And I think when I look at my life, uh, had I not memorized uh, verses the, these past 35 years, I, I think in many ways uh, I, I, would, I could not have grown. I, I would not have grown uh, uh, to love the Lord and love his word unless I had done that. Okay, let's flip to First Timothy 4, verse 7. Well, actually... Um, I would like to read First Timothy 4, uh, starting in verse 6. And again, this passage is using uh, the word train. And the main part I'm, I'm looking at is verse 7, but it says train yourself in godliness or exercise yourself in godliness. But let's start in verse uh, 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But... Reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness or train yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Uh, But if you look back into verse uh, 7, he says to exercise yourself toward godliness. And so the point I'm trying to make of these verses, 
uh, is that uh, we are to be involved in the spiritual disciplines. And uh, we're supposed to train ourselves in godliness. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, the final passage we'll look at in this section, we're going to flip back to 1 Corinthians now. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that's when Paul was talking about uh, the athlete, using the athletic metaphor. Uh, 9, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. And going back up again to, to uh, verse uh, 24, it's, you know, the metaphor is he's running in a race, and uh, you know, it says to run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. You know, what is the prize? Uh, the, the verse I was thinking of was Philippians uh, 3, uh, 14. And it says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And uh, I, I think Brad uh, talked in Hebrews 12. Uh, this was maybe several months ago. I remember Brad talked from the first part of Hebrews 12. And the metaphor was there also uh, about the race. And, you know, that we're, our goal is Jesus. You know, looking unto Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So we're running this race. And, it, you know, it's interesting. He says, uh, uh, run in such a way that you may obtain it. You discipline yourself to, to uh, reach that. You know, an athlete really disciplines himself. When I was in gymnastics at the University of Nebraska, uh, I would uh, practice three hours a day, uh, six days a week, and did it for years, all to discipline myself to get on the equipment and compete for three minutes. And, you know, just three minutes. I did all of that to get up there for three minutes. And... Uh, you know, I was willing to discipline myself that much for that purpose. And, uh, of course, you know, when those uh, the men that I uh, shared about earlier came uh, and I was impressed by their lifestyle, uh, you know, I, I was I think when they left, I realized, well, if being if walking as a Christian and being a Christian is uh, I want to be like them and I want to discipline myself. I don't care what it takes. I want to discipline myself as they discipline themselves in the word. And so they were a great encouragement to me. And it was, it was very encouraging to have uh, those guys uh, consistently come and ask me. Uh, well, sometimes it was a little convicting, but they'd say, well, what's your latest verse? You know, well, sometimes my latest verse was a couple months ago. But uh, still, it was good for them, uh, good for me when they asked me that because uh, it encouraged me. It pushed me. And if you want to do that to me, that's fine. It, not all at once. Or, and, you know, uh, that would be kind of tough. But. Uh, and, you know, another thing I realized as uh, we would share in the Navigators, it was expected that uh, someone probably was going to ask me, what's your latest verse? And so I was kind of ready. And, you know, maybe that's not always the best motivation, but it was a motivation and God used it in my life. On the whole, my motivation was because I want to know God and I want to live uh, according to his word. And, you know, a disciple, when you think about it, uh, what defines a disciple? You know, are we growing as disciples? Well, it's discipline, really. Same word. You know, a disciple disciplines himself to be like the master. You know, the master is mentoring the disciple. And, and so, you know, we need to be working to become disciples and discipline ourselves. Uh, the final uh, passage there, 1 Corinthians 9, uh, one of the verses it says is uh, uh, that we are temperate in all things. 
And that word temperate, uh, basically, there he was talking about self-controlled. To be practice the disciplines, you're involved in, in, in self-control. And uh, there was another passage. There, there are four or five that use the same word for training here or exercise. And uh, it was in 2 Peter 2.14. And we, uh, we don't have to look that up. But this is in the negative sense. And in this case, uh, it was talking about the false teachers. And uh, basically, it said that they had trained themselves in greed. Or another way, uh, another version said they had trained themselves to be greedy. And, uh, you know, that was quite a contrast. Well, here's, here's you know, training yourself in godliness. And here's these false teachers. And they trained themselves in greed. They actually worked at it. They exercised to be greedy. And, uh, you know, but by the grace of God, we would be doing the same. Um, so that uh, is the first section on spiritual disciplines. I just wanted an overview of disciplines before we started talking about this particular discipline, uh, the one uh, of memorization and meditation. So let's go on to that section. And you'll notice again, I, I looked up uh, what meditation uh, said in uh, Webster's Dictionary and in Vine's Expository Dictionary. And, it, and uh, the idea of meditation is to dwell in thought or uh, serious contemplation or to revolve something in your mind uh, or careful reflection. And, you know, obviously, uh, I probably don't need to say this to this group, but it's not the mindless, uh, you know, repetition uh, or droning of, of uh, some mantra. Uh, it's, not, it's not that at all, uh, as if you could empty your mind. You know, that's uh, very satanic. Uh, in fact, to empty your mind essentially is uh, letting the enemy enter. But uh, in this case, we are filling our mind with the word of God. And uh, let's uh, turn to Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Many of you, I believe, have met, probably memorized this verse. Starting in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. First of all, again, uh, is the word conformed. And... Uh, this book uh, had some very good illustrations, and I guess it was a continuum. And in that, he said, you're really going one way or the other. You're being conformed to the world, or your, your mind is being transformed by the word. You know, you're going that way, or you're going this way. It, it, it is a continuum. And uh, Romans 8.29 uh, has, uh, has the same word, conformed, in it. And it says, Who, uh, Whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Again, that's his goal, is to conform us to the likeness of his son. And he does that by uh, this transformation process, the renewing of our mind. And uh, now this is where I'd like to read from this book that I mentioned before. Again, this is John Stott, Your Mind Matters. And he said, one of the most neglected aspects of the quest for holiness is the place of the mind. Even though Jesus himself put the matter beyond question when he promised, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. It is by his truth that Christ liberates us from the bondage of sin. How is this? Wherein lies the liberating power of the truth? To begin with, we need to have a clear picture of the kind of person God intends us to be. We must know God's moral law and commandments. As John Owen expressed it, and the quote is uh, on the page, that good which the mind cannot discover, 
The will cannot choose, nor the affections cleave unto. Now, what he's meaning there is, uh, if, if the good, if your mind is not filled with good, he's saying that good which the mind cannot discover, which is not in the mind, uh, the will cannot choose. How can you choose what uh, is not there in, in your mind? Uh, nor the affections cleave unto. How can it change your character? Well, it can't. It's very difficult. God uses his word to do that. And uh, let's, uh, let's go on to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. By the way, if you uh, come to a point you feel kind of dry and you think, well, I'm not uh, hungry for the word like I want to be, if you would read uh, Psalm 119 uh, several times, God will certainly do uh, a work in your heart. It would be hard to read Psalm 119 and not uh, delight in his word more. But Psalm 119, I'd like to read verses, uh, starting in verse uh, 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your law. Forget your word, I'm sorry. And then skipping down to verse 23, he says, Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. So uh, I believe David uh, basically clung to the word, literally. He, uh, he was attacked. And in verse 23, you know, even princes, high-level people sat against him. But he said what he would do was meditate on the word of God. And uh, if you go back uh, up to the top, how can a young man cleanse his way? Well, it's by taking heed according to the word. And then verse 11 says, your word have I hidden in my heart. Now, the word hide, as I looked it up, it's, uh, it, it kind of means treasure. I mean, if you hide something, you really treasure it. And when you, you want to gather more and you keep it. Right? The idea is to keep it in your heart, to treasure it. You delight in it so much. It's a treasure. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we want to ask God to give us a heart like that, that we'd want to treasure his word. And uh, fill our heart with his word. And uh, in Matthew 5, uh, I believe it's verse 16, uh, Jesus said that uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And I got thinking about that. Uh, you know, we, we, a lot of people seek satisfaction in many ways. And, uh, you know, you cannot be satisfied except Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you can't be satisfied. So if you want to be satisfied in some way, if you ever want to know what satisfaction really is, it's by hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And God uses his word to do that. If, if it dwells in us, if it's hidden in our heart, God will use it mightily to uh, cause us to hunger for him. Psalm 1-2, we have already read. I, I won't read again because we'll finish with that. But it says, uh, in his law, he meditates day and night. Let's uh, go back to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, I'd like to read uh, verses 7 and 8. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law 
which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may, be, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And there's quite a few times I found in the Word that uh, meditating on the Word of God, having it dwell in us, has a lot to do with prosperity, not, not uh, necessarily uh, financial, but uh, prospering as uh, the children of God. So in Joshua 1.8, uh, the, the result of meditating is obedience and success. Um, going to Colossians 3, chapter 2, or Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 and 16, and uh, we don't have to look this up, but it says, Set your mind on things above. And in Vines, that word has to do with regarding or savoring. I thought that was a great picture word. You savor it. You think about it. You reflect on it constantly. And then uh, later in that same chapter, uh, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that word dwell means uh, to inhabit. And it's the same word that is used for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we have to remember that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. And I don't know where that is, but it's pretty deep. So God, God wants the word to be that deep in us, to be a part of us, to, you know, to be dwelling in us to that degree. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Flipping back to Deuteronomy, I should have stayed there. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Starting in verse 6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. All, all, of, all of you being home, good homeschoolers have, have thought about that verse uh, probably quite a bit. Uh, but it says, uh, these words shall be in your heart and you shall teach them diligently in every place that you go to. You know, when you rise up and, you, you know, I, mean, I don't know about you, but I can't always carry this around. Uh, and so really, if we're going to talk like that continually about the word, uh, we have to have it in our hearts. It, you know, sometimes I'll be doing things with the boys and something will come up and I'll think, hey, there's a verse kind of relates to this, you know, and I'll say that to them and. And, uh, you know, I, I, you can't always carry, carry the Bible around. So I think it's, uh, again, very practical, very important to uh, hide, hide the word in your heart. Uh, Philippians 4, verses, uh, I'd like to s- start a little before that. But let's turn to Philippians now, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And it's command, really. Uh, We're supposed to meditate on these pure and lovely things. And uh, back in Psalm 19, uh, there is a list that is uh, somewhat similar. 
In Psalm 119, I'm sorry, Psalm 19. In Psalm 19, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. So obviously the word is one of these, uh, one, it fits all of these really in, in this list of, uh, in Philippians 4.8 that uh, we are supposed to meditate on. I would like to read again from this book uh, by John Stott a little bit. John Stott, your mind matters. You can see the quote there. It says, the battle for the righteous life is nearly always won in the mind. It is by the renewal of our mind that our character and behavior become transformed. So scripture calls us again and again to mental discipline in this respect. Uh, In this book, he said, uh, it stands written, uh, there is no room, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. The best example of this may be found in the earthly life of our Savior. Three times the devil came to him and enticed him in the wilderness of Judea. Three times he recognized that the devil's suggestion was evil and contrary to the will of God. Three times he countered the temptation with the word gegrapti, which means it stands written. There is no room for debate or argument. The matter was settled in his mind at the outset. For scripture had laid down what was right. This clear biblical knowledge of God's will is the first secret of a righteous life. It is not enough to know what we should be, however. We must go further and set our minds upon it. The battle is nearly always won in the mind. It is by the renewal of our mind that our character and behavior become transformed. So, Scripture calls us again and again to mental discipline in this respect. Mental discipline. Okay. Now, all of that is to say, this discipline is very important, and this mental discipline is very important. God has obviously made it clear that we're supposed to meditate on the Word, which implies, and in, in, in other passages, uh, it talks, you know, we have to hide the word in our heart. We have to memorize it. And so um, I wanted to share a, a little bit uh, some of the uh, results of a life uh, or a, a lifestyle of meditation and memorization. And uh, that is on the back of your uh, page. And the first one is that we would become, uh, we will become word-centered. We'll become word-centered people. We'll become actually uh, promise-centered people. We'll live by the promises of God. And uh, you know, I don't know how, I, I really don't know how non-Christians survive, really. Uh, you know, how, can you, how can you live? How can you, uh, you know, go through what, what uh, life often brings if you could not meditate on the Word of God? And as a Christian, I feel, really feel the same way. Uh, without the promises of God, you know, how could I go on day by day? Sometimes, really, the, uh, it, it, it can be very tough. And so uh, the main result, actually, uh, of, of memorizing and meditating on the word of God is obedience. Uh, pure and simple. Uh, John fourteen twenty one says that you know, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. And we are commanded to uh, fill our minds with his word. And, uh, and also, as I've mentioned many times, uh, one, of the, one of the results, one of the main results of meditating on the word of God is that we will grow in Christ's likeness. We'll grow in holiness because his word will be in our mind. It'll be uh, readily available for the Holy Spirit to bring to our mind uh, at any time. Uh, 
in the navigators, a couple, we learned some uh, some areas to enable us to get the word more in our life. And you've probably all seen this hand illustration. Uh, you know, there's hear, read, study, memorize, and meditate. And this has always been helpful to me. You know, it's a good balance. To, you know, I want to get the word in my life in any way I can. And so, of course, we, we hear the word. We want to hear the word. Uh, but, you know, how much of the word do you think, how much, you know, what percent of what you hear, if you don't review it at all, what percent of what you hear do you remember? Well, I saw some figures once. And basically, if you didn't do any of these others, uh, the percentage of what you hear is, uh, and can remember and can actually say is about 15 percent after not, you know, a day or two. So, OK, you hear something. So that's that is one intake of the word of God. And we have to be consistently hearing the word of God here um, and, and from others. So the second is is read. You know, it's good to have a, a consistent reading program to read through the Bible. Uh, but uh, and you'll probably remember more, right, of what you read, uh, maybe 20, 25 percent. And if you study it, and of course, you'll remember even more if you memorize it. I guess you're getting close to 100 uh, percent. But the key to it all is meditation, because uh, without meditating, uh, all of this is not applied to our life. And God wants the word to be applied. He wants us to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. So we must meditate on it. If we hear it, we must meditate on it. Uh, if we read it, we must meditate on it. If we study it. And of course, if we memorize it. So uh, that's always been a helpful illustration. And one verse uh, that's been a blessing to me is Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2. And uh, it says, Blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. And the results are, it says, his descendants will be mighty in the land, and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Well, I want my descendants to be mighty in the land. I pray that a lot. And I pray that for our church, that we would be mighty in the land. And uh, it says, Blessed is a man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. I want to greatly delight in his word. And... The more I fill my mind with this word, the more I greatly delight in it. And so, again, I'm encouraging uh, you in that. Second uh, Timothy 3.16, many of you know all scripture is, is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, correction, reproof, and, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And there, again, is the idea of maturity. You know, God, is, God wants us to grow in maturity, and he wants us to be equipped and ready for every good work. And uh, then, of course, Hebrews 4.12 says that the word is, is living and active and it pierces to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. He wants it to be that deeply a part of our heart and mind. And uh, now, if I can figure out the technology of this. Um, it didn't work. I did it once. There it is. Okay. I hope that doesn't remind you of your front yard. Uh, but actually, you know what those are, you know. Uh, those are ruts, right? I, I think they're called ruts. If they're small, they're rivulets, I guess. Aren't they? I don't, if they're big, they're gullies. I don't know. There's a lot of words for this. This is near our house. It's not our house. But uh, I, I put this on the screen because I want, this is a good mental picture. And, uh, you know, the second point that I have is that our thought patterns, uh, one of the results of filling our mind with the, the word of God is that we can actually change thought patterns. And we need to change thought patterns. Some of us who became Christians uh, as adults, we, have thought, we, had too many, we had thought patterns that were developed and uh, became entrenched. You know, our way of thinking became entrenched. We had men mental patterns that are just bad. You know, they're from the world. And, uh, you know, Romans 12:2 says, you know, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how does that happen? How, how, do, we, how do we change these ruts that we're in? You know, there, there are different ruts, you know. 
uh, you have a rut of, you know, you, it could be fear, it could be uh, lust. I mean, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, the, the enemy knows too how to get us going down a certain rut that we've done for years. But and and I found, and you, I'm sure you found that you can't just say, uh, "Don't think about this." You know, that doesn't really work. You just can't. That doesn't work at all. Don't think about this. Well, you have to, what you have to do is fill it with something else. You have to replace it. You have to push. It. You have to fill in a rut with the Word of God, so that the next time you face something. The rut you go down is Romans 12, 2, or, you know, for me, uh, it's Isaiah 41, 10. If, if, if I ever have a life verse, it's probably Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. I cling to that verse more than I, it is so much a part of me. There are very few days that I do not think of that verse. And especially when I'm in a panic mode or, you know, pressure at work or whatever. Uh, that verse uh, I really cling to. And that is a, a good rep verse for me. It's, a, it's what I go down almost automatically. And I found uh, sometimes I'll start thinking of that verse and it'll lead me to a whole bunch of other ones. And it's really neat. You know, God takes me and then I'll, I'll take my eyes off myself or, or whatever the, uh, the, the bad rut is that I'm focusing on. And um, a little, little story maybe uh, would help. You know, when I, uh, the first time I went to Japan, uh, I believe it was 1979, and it was with a group called OMF, uh, which is Overseas Missionary Fellowship. Uh, it started as the China Inland Mission, uh, which Hudson Taylor founded in the 1880s, I believe. And uh, so I was, I was going. I'd never flown. Uh, I, I'd flown a few times domestically. I'd never flown uh, overseas. Uh, and, uh, of course, I'd never gone to be involved in, in, in a mission or anything like that. And so I was a little, uh, I don't know what the word is, apprehensive, maybe. And uh, so I got on the plane in Omaha. I flew to San Francisco. And, uh, you know, I had kind of a long time to sit there and think about what am I doing? I'm going a third of the way around the world. Thank you. I'm going a third of the way around the world. And at that point, I didn't really even know who I was going to be talking to. And they said, somebody's going to meet you at the airport, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, uh, I, I just had too much time to think when I was at the airport. And so I'm sitting there thinking, and I, oh, this is not good. I need to meditate on the Word of God. So uh, I started meditating on Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. And it was very comforting. And it reminded me again, God is with me. I'm going because he called me to do this. And, uh, and it led me to some other verses. But as I was meditating uh, on that verse and some other ones, some verses came up. And, uh, and it was kind of, God pointed out, I think very clearly, because I can still remember it a long time ago, uh, that I needed to take my eyes off myself. Oh, oh, yeah, that's true. I, I'm looking at myself here. You know, I'm looking at fears and all these things. And I said, okay, I need to take my eyes off myself. And uh, I, I started thinking of, yes, there are many who need to, if I can share the gospel, that's what I want to do. And I, I remember looking over and there's just a couple seats between me and, and this quite tall Caucasian man. I assumed he was an American, but his head was shaved. And he had on these uh, kind of strange colored robes. And so I, I found out later he was a uh, you know, Buddhist acolyte or he was studying to be a Buddhist priest. So I thought, well, hmm, take my eyes off myself. So I went over and, and uh, started talking to this guy. I mean, because I thought, hey, anybody who dresses like that is like painting a target on your back and saying, hey, I'm spiritual, but I don't know the gospel. Please share with me. <laughs> okay. You know, so, so I went over there and I started talking with this guy. And uh, he, he, was, he was kind of polite in the beginning and, and uh, I figured, uh, okay, I'll ask him, what are you doing? You know, what are you going to Japan for? This plane was going to Japan. 
And he said, well, I'm going to become a Buddhist priest. And so I thought, oh, tell me some more. And he started telling me, well, it's just really a hobby. And I thought that was a little strange, but he says, just a hobby. I said, and then he said, why are you going? Great. That's what I prayed. And so I, I, I started sharing a little bit and, and I, I was able to share a little bit with him. And they said, no, wait, wait, no, I, you know, I, I don't really want to talk about this right now. And uh, so I said, OK, I understand. And he said, uh, go talk to that guy over there. And, and I said, you mean that Japanese guy? He said, yeah, go talk to that Japanese guy. OK, so I, I went over, you know, I went over and talked to this Japanese guy. It turned out he had become a Christian not too many years before at, at Texas Tech through the Ministry of the Navigators. And it was such a blessing to talk to that guy. And we had the best time. In fact, we kind of laughed because we, we kind of thought, you know, I wouldn't, I, probably God had three or four other guys on that plane who talked to that guy too. You know, that guy, that guy was going to hear the word no matter what. Uh, but it all started because I meditated on Isaiah 41.10 and it led me to other verses to get my mind off myself, to talk to that guy, to talk to this young man who ended up helping me at the airport in Japan because everything was messed up and I would have been completely lost. And he helped me when we arrived in Japan. It was such a blessing and it always reminds me that, you know, he is so gracious. But it started because I started meditating on the word of God. And, and so many times I could tell other stories like that. So many times I just start thinking of a verse and he'd lead me to another one. And God so worked out in his divine plan in a miraculous way, really, uh, to encourage me. OK, pressing on. Uh, by the way, uh, Isaiah 41.10 is what I call my cling to verse. When I am really pressured and when I wake up at night, which I do more often now, Unfortunately, uh, I will start thinking about that verse, almost uh, that and others, and then it will lead me to other verses. Uh, but some other cling through verses for me are uh, uh, Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Uh, Isaiah 26.3, uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, uh, Proverbs 29.25. Recently, I've been thinking a lot about fear. Uh, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And I think about that one a lot. So all of Psalm 34, I, I love, I meditate on. Um, and about two months ago, I asked some of you, uh, if you're in a panic situation, if you're under pressure, what verse do you think about? This is what some of you said. Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the, the I forgot the second part. The Lord is the strength of my life. Thank you. Um, and then Philippians 4:13, of course, Romans 8:28. A couple of people said that. Joshua 1, 8, uh, all of Psalm 19, Psalm 50, verse 15, uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. And uh, 1 Thess 5, 16 through 18. Those are some of the verses that you shared when I asked you, when you're in a panic situation, what verse comes to your mind? That's what some of you uh, shared with me. And that was encouraging to me. Okay, pressing on. Uh, one of the results is the ability and the wisdom uh, in sharing with others. 1 Peter 3.15 says that we should always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls us to account for the hope that is within us. And yet we should do it with gentleness and reverence. And uh, another quick illustration uh, one time, uh, I, I guess I was uh, a senior, uh, maybe my second senior year. Uh, I was, uh, we were going out and, and sharing the gospel in the dorms. And I was sharing with a young man uh, the bridge illustration. You've probably all seen the bridge illustration. You have this you know, God on one side of a big chasm and man is here. And the only way to bridge the gap is through Jesus. The cross is the, is the bridge. And, you know, in, in the Navigators, I'll show in just a minute, we memorize these verses that help us to communicate the gospel. And so I was sharing and I wrote over here sinful and, uh, you know, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23. And so I was going down this list. And over here I put, uh, you know, holy and I was you know, trying to show. But the problem was I put God, I had written God over here and man over here, you know, wrong verses on the wrong side. 
But, uh, you know, at the end of it, I'll, I'll never forget the young man said, you know, that, I really understand this. It's very logical, you know, even though I'd, I'd, I'd really messed it up. So, uh, but, you know, it really does help uh, in, in sharing the gospel. God's leading and guidance, Psalm 19, we already read. Psalm 119, 105 is one of my favorite verses. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so when you meditate on that, you think, okay, there's a man walking and he has a lantern uh, just around him, basically. So the word obviously guides us day by day. It's a lamp to our feet and it's also a light to our path. He gives us uh, direction for our future, long-term direction. Uh, So God's leading and guidance. Power in the battle. Uh, Ephesians 6, uh, I think we won't turn there. But in 2 Corinthians 10.14, it says that the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And this is is our weapon. This is a sword of the Spirit. And we need to have it available. I mean, soldiers have a sword ready. I think think they got in big trouble if they put their sword on the side. Just like a soldier now, if you put your gun over there and you walk away, you're in big trouble. You know, you don't put your sword down. And so you're more prepared if you have hidden the word in your heart. Um, another uh, illustration uh, every time I read Voice of the Martyrs it reminds me that in the midst of a battle and I read of some of the stories of those people who are in battle and the word uh, they don't have much of the word but they every piece they have they memorize before they give it to somebody else and we all have six Bibles in our house but some of them are are, uh, would love to have a Bible and they memorize it because they're in pressured situations and they 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 just love the word so much. They know that they cannot be involved in the battle unless the word is hidden in their hearts. Another uh, experience I had was with OMF. Uh, we used to pray when I was in Chicago in graduate school. We used to have a prayer meeting every week. And I, I'll never forget, there's a, uh, an elderly lady who came and said, well, I remember when during the Maoist revolution that my friend was captured and put in jail. That he certainly didn't give her a Bible. And uh, this woman said that the only thing she remembers after this woman was, uh, did get out, was that uh, she wished she had memorized more of the word because she was in there for quite a while. And she said, the, the one thing I, I, I wished, uh, of course, she wished she had the word, uh, you know, the physical Bible, but uh, she wished she had memorized more of the word. And then mental alertness. Now, my kids may, may, may doubt that, that's, uh, really, that memorizing has really helped my mental alertness. Uh, but uh, there was a young Christian uh, in my early days, who um, he was labeled slow, and I think it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. But he was labeled slow and treated slow educationally. You know, they said, "Oh, you can't learn," and they, you know. But uh, uh, he became a Christian, and he started memorizing quite uh, aggressively. Um, and his testimony after about two years uh, in the Lord was that uh, everybody noted how he could think better. And I believe part of it, of course, was that God had just freed him from the bondage that they had put him under. But part of it was he had really worked uh, at, at memorizing and God had, uh, this is, you know, I don't have a verse for this and, you know, I can't prove it probably, but um, I believe it does uh, help us to be mentally alert, which God wants us to be. Well, finally, I'd like to show uh, just a few, or tell a few suggestions. And let's see if I can do this. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, this, these are the verses that uh, those uh, gentlemen gave me when uh, they shared with me the night uh, that I surrendered to the Lord. And uh, these are good. These are called assurance verses, assurance of salvation, assurance of prayer, uh, answered prayer, assurance of victory, assurance of forgiveness, and 
assurance of guidance. So I memorized all of those and they were a great blessing to me. Uh, but uh, in the navigators, they have what is called the topical memory system. And, you know, it's a system. If it, if it works, it's great. Uh, all I know is this works. There are other systems that are effective uh, for your children. Uh, you know, if you want to look at this uh, later, that's fine. Please, please do so. And uh, Sherry printed off some uh, bookmarks with these verses on it in these topics. If you would like that, uh, or if you just need a bookmark, that's fine. But uh, this is the beginning of the TMS, and it starts out, uh, these verses, you know, all of sin, sin's penalty, Christ paid the penalty, salvation not by works, must receive Christ's assurance of salvation. Um, these are the verses that really help to, uh, as you're sharing the gospel. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very helpful to, uh, to do that. Let's see. Then you talk about relying on God's resources. Now, the reason you memorize the topic and the verse is so that in a certain situation, you'll, you tend to remember it a, l- a little easier. And there are 60 verses in this series. Be, and being Christ's disciple, uh, growing in Christ's likeness, these are the character qualities uh, that a disciple has. So, uh, if, again, if you'd like to look at this topical memory system, please uh, come look at that. And, you know, it's an $11 value. But, uh, I mean, $11, that's probably the printing and, and marketing value. But uh, if it helps someone to establish a habit of memorizing, it's, you couldn't calculate the, the, the worth of that. Uh, so, my suggestion would be, be regular and systematic and, and somewhat accountable in your family or with someone else. I don't mind if you want to make me accountable. Please do so. Uh, I told my brothers the other night on Tuesday night the, at the men's meeting, uh, that's what I long for. I, I I expect it to be done. You're my brothers and I cannot grow uh, without you helping me, encouraging me, even pushing me. Um, And, you know, one way to find verses, uh, you know, after you've done this, you can find verses just by hearing them. And I remember uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Phil was sharing and a verse, he he shared a verse in the midst of the the message. And it was Daniel 1132. Uh, But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And, I remember, wow, what a great verse. I think I need to meditate on that and claim that promise. Wow, that's a great verse. And, uh, well, Phil, I, I, I was listening to your message. I didn't completely not stop listening to his message. But uh, that verse was, it was just an encouragement. So God will give you verses in many different ways. And what I usually do when I'm listening to a message, I'll write an M and put a circle around it. And then on a, on a Sunday, usually I'll go and I'll write those verses out. And then I'll meditate on them. And I have an advantage. I have two hour and a half hours Two and a half hours of driving every day. I have a lot of time to meditate. And uh, some of you just have to decide, what is that time? Uh, where can I meditate the, the best? And do it consistently. Uh, do it regularly. Um, and do it uh, systematically. Uh, whenever you pick a verse to memorize, you should always study the context. You should study the key words. Uh, you all have Bible dictionaries and the expository dictionaries. Make sure you understand the, the cultural context, the uh, theological situation, historical context, so that you're uh, not just taking that out of uh, context. Okay, finally, uh, what I'd like to do is uh, an example of, of how to meditate. And uh, if you see above there, when to meditate, basically uh, it says we're supposed to meditate day and night. Well, how do you do that? Uh, I guess... One, one thing that I like to do is before I fall asleep, which Sherry says is about like that anymore, uh, is to try to think of a verse 
before I fall asleep or read before I fall asleep. But it, it, I've noticed that it helps me much more to have a verse in my head. If I fall asleep, I tend to, if I wake up at night, that verse will be in my head. Or at least if I wake up and I, and I haven't done that, then I tend to think, wow, what am I going to do tomorrow in that situation? You know, I tend to worry or fret. But uh, if I hide the word in my heart like that, if I think about it before I go to sleep, then I'm I'm more likely to wake up to it and be excited about thinking about it. So what I'd like to do now to finish up is go back to Psalm Psalm 1. And, uh, you know, there are different ways to uh, learn a verse, to learn a passage. In fact, uh, I've done this several times. Uh, Psalm 1 is one of them. I think part of Romans 5 I did uh, using pictures. I don't do it that much, but it is helpful. And so what I wanted to do is a little exercise here just before we leave. And uh, if you, if you, my, my daughter, Emily, drew this. Uh, in fact, um, let's see. This is mine. Oh, I'll go back. This is mine, so it's obvious why I asked Emily to redraw it. <laughs> but, but, you know, this one works for me. And, you know, I drew this out and I... Uh, and I re-memorized, actually, I re-memorized Psalm 1 because I've memorized in, in a lot in New, New International. But now I'm, I'm meditating on uh, New King James. So I had to re-memorize it because all the kids are learning uh, in New King James. So, you know, I, that, that isn't so great. Uh, but it works. It works for me. I, I know Psalm 1 by looking at this picture. But what I'd like to do is just go through very quickly. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I don't know, does that help? I mean, is that... To me, it helps, I think. Uh, you know, and for, for kids, I think it's, it's a helpful way to memorize. Now, you do get better at memorizing. The more you do it, the... the the, the easier it is. But um, what I would like to do is just read, let's, let's read this together. Essentially, we're going to just learn it together and then we, we will finish with that. It says, look, please read with me. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Okay? Basically, you just memorized that psalm. Okay. We're going to try it again without the words. Blessed is the man... Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by rivers, the rivers of water that yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. Very good. You just memorized most of Psalm 1. And uh, I, I hope this has been an encouragement uh, and uh, to memorize and meditate on the Word of God. And again, you know, his, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Uh, let's pray. 
Father, this is your holy word, and we are your children, called by you to be disciples. Lord, uh, help us to uh, rejoice in your discipline in our lives. It's all of you, whether we practice these disciplines or you uh, discipline us, it's all of you. It's all of your grace and your kindness and mercy and your goodness to us because you love us. Help us to be people of your word, people of your promise, that your word would fill our hearts and our minds and uh, that we would rejoice in it daily and meditate on it day and night. Lord, we thank you for uh, your holy word and our salvation through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.